Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper, episode 68 of our 24-minute recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts. Leave a review if you'd like. Follow us on Spotify. And, of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. So for tonight's episode, we have our first ever live guest on the show. Tell me if um, – I don't know if we're on the um, – to be TBD on the podcast edition, but as far as the YouTube video, let me know if everything's coming in clear. The sound, the video, subscribers, let us know. I got host of Locked On Badgers, returning guest, first time returning on the show after his, was it the bubble playoff preview he was on? Yeah, yeah, we talked, uh, we talked bubble playoffs. That's right, back, Asher though, host of Locked On Badgers and contributor at the Badgers Wire for USA Today, joining me to talk about the local Milwaukee Bucks, but also our local Los Angeles Lakers. After the Lakers have just fallen in Andre Drummond's debut, 97 to 112 at the Staples Center. Ash, you know, you haven't been able to talk too much NBA on your platform. What do you think of um of the game tonight? So we're starting we're starting in LA. Let's go, Lakers. We're starting with the Lakers. I thought, first of all, that Drummond had a really good first quarter, and the Lakers as a team had a really good first quarter. I didn't expect them to play as well as they did to open. I expected Milwaukee coming off three straight losses, right, as the better team far and away tonight to come out and ball, to absolutely ball early. And I feel like you see when great teams in the NBA, and I, I would consider Milwaukee that in this regular season right now. They've, they've earned themselves that title to me at this point. They've played much better basketball over the past yeah. couple of months aside from the last three games. Um, I expect those teams when they lose a couple games to come out and just really play with that fire. They didn't. Andre Drummond was really good early. Uh, the Lakers were solid early. Schroeder hit a couple threes, which you don't always see from him. Hit a couple long ones. Um, I thought the Lakers fell in love with the three late, but we we can talk about that. I know you thought that as well based on our texting during the game. And yeah, the Lakers started out really well, and then Milwaukee simply took over uh, defensively, especially. They, they really shut things down. For the Lakers, and the Lakers kind of did it to themselves in that third quarter a little bit. Got really three happy as well in the fourth. Kuzma, as you said, took too many. Um, they really just settled. They settled. There's no other word for it. And in that third quarter, the last like five minutes of that third quarter, they looked lackadaisical, man, until Mark Gasol came in the game. But before Mark Gasol yeah. came in the game and kind of changed the energy with his passing, they looked like they were just going through the motions. They looked mentally out of it. It was just weird to watch some of that third quarter. They really looked like... They didn't want to be there. Like, I don't know how to say it in that third quarter. Yeah, I completely agree. Drummond looked really good in the beginning. You know, he had a nice block on the double jump, and he was showing that, you know, he would be able to rebound, contesting some shots around the basket. But, yeah, the Lakers were getting – I honestly think it was a little bit of a fool's gold first quarter. Like, the Bucks were just – I don't know what they were doing. You were texting about it, too. I don't know what they were doing on defense that first quarter. They were just all over the place. And the Lakers were getting open threes, and guys like Keith, Keith was hitting a ton of them. And then uh, Kuz hit a pull-up, and then Schroeder, as you said. And they looked like they were ha- going to have a night. But then the Bucks clamped it down a bit, and the Lakers 
weren't getting the same open looks off that off those pick and rolls because really the only real pick and roll threats for the Lakers right now are THT, Kuz a little bit, but Kuz is his floater game and his in-between game is just anything involving scoring right now for Kuz is a little sus. Like he's good at everything else now, but his scoring is very suspect. Uh, and then Schroeder was getting bothered by Drew Holiday. I mean, you you and I love watching that fool play defense. He is he is far and away. I don't even think it's that close. Simmons actually this year has been close. Before yeah, I watched been great. before I've watched Simmons this year, uh, watched what he's done this year. I've watched him his whole career, but at LSU as well. But before what Ben has done this year, I would have said Drew Holiday is far and away the best defender at the guard position in the NBA. He had some plays tonight where he just literally rips the ball from guys' hands, which you don't see anymore in this league. Like, he just yeah. rips it Kawhi does from sometimes. people. Kawhi, Kawhi does Kawhi it sometimes. Rips. True. The other thing about Drew is, who gets by him? Like, mm-hmm. how often, unless he's, unless he's, like, closing out late. I'm talking about, like, a one-on-one yeah. situation where he yeah. starts in front of you in his base defensive set. Who in the world gets by him? But his offense tonight was exceptional, and his offense is exceptional when he's at his best. He is a an underrated shooter. Like, I don't think people talk about how great of a shooter he's become. He is... Good going to the rim, not great, but but good going to the rim. And like we said, he is an exceptional defender. Ridiculous. Some of the plays he makes just leave your jaw on the floor. Like he he's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he was clearly bothering Schroeder. You know, I think teams like to go underneath the screen with Schroeder when he's at the three-point line to try to bait him into shooting a three, because you can still, if you like kind of fight around and get a hand up on that, but when it gets to the mid-range area, that's when Shooter kind of gets what he wants. But Drew's length was really bothering him today. And then, yeah, Drummond. Oh, yeah, we have to also mention in the beginning of the second quarter, Taylor Horton turnover, as I call him, came in and lived up to the billing. Lived up to the name with consistently turning the ball over tonight. Very careless. And that's what got the Bucks back in the game. I thought Middleton had like 15 points in the second quarter. He was going off. And you know when Chris Middleton – that's when the Bucks are at their best to me, when Middleton's hitting – because he gives you, he hits from different spots than Giannis, and I think the Bucks are getting better as the season's going on. What do you think? I think the Bucks have gotten much better as the season's going on. I thought before this three-game winning streak, they were playing far and away the best basketball of their year. I think that they figured some things out in terms of uh, where to play Giannis, and and I think Giannis has figured some things out. I think he really has. And listen, you and I have been so hard on this guy. And deservedly so, just on the basketball yeah. floor. We both love him yeah. as a person. We love his decision to stay in Milwaukee. We love almost everything about him, yep. aside from his actual basketball game when things slow down in the playoffs, right? We've, how, many, how many times have we talked about it? I actually think, and I would not say this if I, if I didn't think it was true, because you know, you know I wouldn't say this. I actually think he has finally taken a true step forward this year, in the middle of this season, because I finally see him willing to play in that middle game, that 12 to 18 feet. I see him willing to operate there. And he makes mistakes there still, sure. I see him taking better threes. Not those not those walk-in, five seconds into the shot clock, wide open top of the key chucks. Not those. More like later shot clock. You've already swung it a little bit. Uh, eight to shoot. He has an open look from the wing and he hits it. Uh, he hit like two of those tonight. And I love the way he's playing in that middle game. Like I said, whether it's a, a post-fade, uh, passing out of that, area I, I love I love what he's doing yeah I, I agree I think he's starting to see where his he's deficient and I mean we're only going to find out in the playoffs it's one of those things but yeah you are seeing it a little bit better I think though the Lakers they just shot themselves in the foot though as this game went on 
chucking and chucking. I mean, bro, I saw it. We're going to get to the Celtics in a second. But you want to talk about chucking? Let's talk about 47 threes shot by the Celtics. Oh, that's that's how many it was? 47. Okay. Well, we'll get in we'll, we'll get in we'll get into that in a second, but just to finish with the Lakers, man, like they were within 10, 12, like that's that stretch where Mark came in and then just chuck after chuck. It's like, dude, the Lakers, one of their biggest weaknesses is is three-point shooting, and they just consistently keep taking those shots. It's like every – these teams all think they're the – as I said, it is the NBA getting better. All these teams think they're the Warriors, man. Like, it's just they just don't know when to quit. It's like, I understand it. Three is greater than two. You know, you want to space the floor, you know, all that. But, like, when you see it's not going, you got to pass up some semi-open looks. you got to. Because, like, what is that, bro? Like, you're just shooting – listen to Kuzma tonight. Let's look at his line. Kuz. And I've been very, you know, pro coups this season. 16 points, 7 of 17, 1 of 9 from 3. So you can do the math. 6 of 8 from 2. He's 1 of 9 from 3. Then you got Dennis Schroeder, 3 of 8 from 3. And then 5 of 10 from 2. So, like, and then KCP, who's just been in the absolute doghouse this season lately. It's just been, he looks disinterested. You want to talk about somebody who looks out of it. KCP has looked out of it for a long time time this season and you know I don't think it's anything serious and by the way I know a lot of people are clowning Drummond I just obviously it's you know if you're a Laker fan it's sad to see him go down but you can't draw conclusions from this game no uh I and I, I do have a lot of stats for you on the Celtics thing because I did do a piece on NBA wires for USA Today about the Celtics I was recapping that game and I just was looking through the box score and I was shocked at what I was seeing uh in some of it but the inefficiency with some of these decisions that are supposed to be the most efficient decisions in basketball, right? Taking, taking the amount of threes they take and then the, the results of them sometimes. I, the thing that just drives me nuts and drives you nuts as well is when it's just not your night, like from three. Like it's just not going. It almost, it's almost like teams, when it's not going, double down because of like the law of averages or they, they think like take more, take more, take I think it's because they get down on they get down and they see it's like oh it's about to be a ten point game and they know that the three pointer has unlocked easier comebacks and so they they fiend it they just spam it and then by, before you know it they're down twenty. Yeah, and when teams uh when teams um get back into games usually it's by attacking forcing exactly. turnovers and getting layups that's that's and usually what you, it is and then once you. And then once you get those layups, then the open three start momentum builds. It's like when you see something going to the basket, shit changes. And, like, that's what we talk about with back in the day, you used to hear when your shot's not falling, go to the rim, get fouled, get some easy points, stop the clock. And now it's just yeah. keep just keep yeah. shooting, just keep shooting. By the back of the day, I mean, like, eight years Ten ago. Ten years ago. Ten years ago. Like, we're not old. Like, like yeah. when we were playing pickup basketball or we were playing rec basketball or high school basketball, like, that's what we were told. Yeah, and it's, it's but yeah. So let me just read so before we go to the Celtics. Let's just read Laker fans. I wouldn't look too far into anything tonight. You played a good team. You beat them in Milwaukee when healthy. Uh, Andre Drummond in his debut in only 14 minutes. He had four points, two of six from the field, only one rebound. I picture it. I remember seeing it in my head. Three turnovers though. The Lakers had 22 turnovers, which is just never going to be a recipe for success. Uh, Montrader had a decent performance, 19 points, three turnovers though, six for THT. He had twice as many turnovers as he had points, yet somebody on my Twitter feed was coming at me, calling me biased because I said Terrence Mann may be better than him. It's amazing. Yeah, I have a question. I got a question for you. 
Would you yes. – I know someone – one of our friends said this in our chat tonight. If you met Montrez in person, would you accidentally immediately call him Montrader? <laughs> Dude, I think – it's honestly become – like I've, I've drilled it into my head. I haven't heard you say the name Montrez in like a year. Dude, I've been drilling it into my head. I've been drilling it into my head to not um, – <laughs> to not say it. But I was going to say – so let me just read the Bucks. What? No, I wouldn't say excellent to meet you. I just walk by. I say, "Oh, Rodman." Now, the modern, the modern day Rodman. What is it like being cold blooded, dude? The modern, dude, the modern day Rodman got blocked. I mean, got posterized by Brook Lopez tonight, who I I thought had a good game. Dude, Brook Lopez is underrated around the rim, protect like defensively. I think he had four blocks tonight. Yeah, you're gonna get. I know. I know what your next poster is gonna be, D. We're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna come to your room. Uh, in a month, I'm gonna we're gonna hey, I'm gonna come to your room and I'm gonna just see that Brook Lopez poster up there, Duncan on Montrader. Oh man, dude, I'm not getting no Bucks poster, but that would be hilarious. Imagine if we had in the playoffs though. Like, dude, my dream though would be like Terrence Mann dunking on on Montrader. <laughs> that would be great, man. Anyway, let's uh let's go to the Bucks stat line tonight. Um, Giannis, 25 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, and three blocks, nine turnovers though, nearly had a triple double. Um, you got to chill with those, but eight of 10 from the foul line. So you like to see that if you're a Bucks fan and the second quarter was the one that turned the tide of the game, 33 to 19 in favor of Milwaukee. Drew holiday though, is my player of the game. Personally, 28 points, eight boards, six assists and four steals, 11 of 16 from the field, three of five from three. That's as efficient as it gets. And then you got Middleton chipping in with 17 points on eight of 18. So the Bucks move on to 30 and 17 Lakers to 30 and 18. Any last words on that one before we move on to Boston? I mean, I think uh, Mark Jackson actually, and I haven't agreed with much he said this year, but he said it right at the end of the broadcast, just get healthy. That's all that really matters. Just get healthy and focus on that. You're talking about the Lakers? Of course. The Lakers? Yeah. And, 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 I will, and, and Giannis, yeah, Giannis I is think... finally taking a step. That would be, those would be my two takeaways just in general for those two teams right now going forward. Dude, I really think... I know this may be a stretch because of the Nets' firepower, but like, I think that this year, I think the Bucks have a better chance to get to the finals than they've ever had. Because, like, at the end of the day, you can switch everything on Giannis. In today's league, you cannot stop him with one defender. You need to throw two at him. So you know the Bucks can still generate good looks at the end of the game. Like, as long as Giannis just makes the right decision when he's driving into that wall. I actually might you agree that I mean? this could be the Bucks' best chance. I think that we saw the... We saw the writing on the wall for them against Miami before that series even was scheduled to happen. Like, like we, we knew how dangerous of a matchup that was. We were talking about that before the playoffs, how bad of a yeah. matchup that was. I still think it'd be a bad matchup for them if it happens again. But Yeah, Miami's tough. But the best two teams in the East, being Philly and Brooklyn aside from Milwaukee, I, I like a lot about Milwaukee's chances in either of those series. I really do. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and you know one thing, I'm not saying that, obviously I'm not making any predictions right now, but talk about um, Drew Holiday, you know, being able to guard a Harden or a Kyrie. You don't want, there's nobody better for that type of task than Drew Holiday. So, you know, Chris Middleton's no slouch. Even Chenzo's no slouch either. And, you know, they've been together for a little while now. So, you know, maybe, maybe. It really all depends on how healthy the Nets get by then. One thing. And, it, and it's a really important thing. Come the playoffs, they're missing a consistent bench scorer. Not not a good player off the bench, but a really good scorer off the bench. A guy that can cook. A Clarkson, right? Uh, a Lou in his heyday. 
Or a Lou Williams. Yeah, a Lou in his heyday. Yeah. Like, what if Lou? Like, like, honestly, I would. I would hope Lou retires, and then I try to. I try to somehow finagle Lou from Atlanta. Like, like that would be an amazing ad. Some someone like that off the bench. I think they have. They have a. They have my my guy Sam Merrill, who he's not there yet, but he he could be that one day. He won't be that this year. Uh, rookie out of Utah State, who I I loved in college, but. Yeah, they, they need that scoring off the bench. I don't know who's going to bring it, but someone will have to. Okay, so let's talk about – I agree with you. Let's talk about the Celtics who, again, we've seen this story so many times. It's become predictable to the point where my Celtics fans' friends can predict what's going to happen. They you know, start out with very little intensity. They start missing shots. They get discouraged. Teams get threes on them on demand. And here's the thing about Dallas – Luca, pick and roll, pick and pop. You're going to get a good shot. It's basically guaranteed unless you have good switching personnel. Celtics, not really. They don't really have that. Rob Williams was out tonight with an illness. So that thrust Mo Wagner into the into the spotlight. And the, the, the Mavs had a stretch where they just were not missing anything from deep. It starts with Luca. The rest opens up because you got to throw two at Luca, And then the Celtics get discouraged. But my problem is this. When the Celtics are on their comeback, like they think that they can shoot as many threes as the Mavericks and have a chance to win when the Mavericks are the ones that shoot threes and the Celtics have been abysmal. I've said it so many times in the show. Don Dripper fam, you know. The Celtics are not a good three-point shooting team. Every single night, it's 10 for 30. And tonight, when they were getting back in the game, even though some of them were open, and again, I say this, just because it's open, when you're missed like 10 in a row, you've got to like have some self-control. You've got to have some self-control unless it's deep in the shot clock. I mean, you said it. Let's look. 11 of 47 from three. Jalen Brown yeah. shot 11 threes. He made I and D. I have the combined stat for you. Brown, Tatum, Walker. All three had 20 plus yeah. points. If you look at that, you're saying, okay. Combined from three, those three, seven of 28. Yeah, 25%. I mean, that's just not good enough. And Kemba in general, he's. I just checked, dude. He's shooting less than 40% from the field this year. And that's just not going to get it done, man. And, like, this is the last – I think this is the last season of Kemba Walker with uh, the Celtics. It's just unfortunate that injury that happened to him because he's just really not the same since then. And it's really sad because it couldn't have happened to a more, you know, uns- like a guy that's come to Boston with such a great attitude and has really helped Tatum and Jalen Brown develop. But he's just not able to give them anything different right now. And it's just very frustrating because the Celtics push at the end and push at the end. But Tatum just is too in love with jump shots, man. He's way too in love with jump shots. Threes, especially. Absolutely in love with threes, especially at the end of games. Like, he loves them in the fourth quarter. The Celtics as a team love them in the fourth quarter. Uh, they, I feel like they only shoot threes in the fourth quarter when it gets down to it. But you know what pissed me off the most about them taking 47 tonight? 47. Listen to yourself. 47. Yeah, yeah. In general. But here's what pissed me off the most about it, okay? One of eight Think about eight, Dallas. Way, yeah. Think about Dallas. What does Dallas not have any of, like at all? Um, what are they terrible at? They, let me think. I mean, they're not a great defensive team at all. Who protects the rim on that Porzingis. team? Porzingis. Porzingis. No, oh, Porzingis. You're he, the you guy you love to call soft every day. What'd you say? What'd you say? The guy you love to call one of the softest Charmin guys in the league every day. Offensively, but defensively, he's got good length and athleticism. Okay, off the bench, 
Off the bench, they have nobody. They don't play Boban, so he's nobody. the only. No, besides besides Porzingis, they got nothing. Nothing. Maxi Kleba. Maxi Kleba. but he's not a No one's scared of him. He's too little. Maxi Kleba, very good player. Not not in that. Maxi Kleba. He's like a Daniel Tice rim protection. Maybe even worse. Like, like he's just... Point like, is, like he's would just, you say the Mavs are bottom half of the league rim protection-wise, personnel-wise? I think they're just bottom half of the league on defense in general. True. Okay, true. But when yeah. you're a bad defensive team, what should you do to a bad defensive team? Should you chuck a bunch of threes? No, attack, because they just bailed them out. Yeah, probably not. And they have a bunch of bad individual defenders and not a great help line behind it. They're a terrible defensive team set up to guard drivers. Like, really bad at it. And it just pisses me off that, that the Celtics... Forty-seven? I know that's insane. Forty-seven threes. They shot forty-one percent from the field. You know, the only person that actually shot at least fifty percent from three for them was Peyton Pritchard. He had eight points on two of four from the field, and all of them the shots were threes. But yeah, Jalen nine of seventeen, four of eleven from three, and if he just had one or two of those. It would have been huge. Just, it's just three after three for the Celtics, and, you know, they keep saying they want to play themselves out of it. And by the way, again, I want to have a serious talk about Brad because, like, I, again, I'm not the type to blame coaches. You know, it takes a lot for me to do it, but I've been saying this year, I just don't see it anymore, man. It's gone stale. Like, like right now, I can't tell you what Brad does well instead of out, out a couple out-of-timeout plays. Like, their offense is just high pick and roll. No movement, no nothing. And their defense, they're just not on the same page. And part of that is because, and Celtics fans, my friends, get mad at me for saying it, but part of it is because they don't have the big four on the court in consecutive games. Like, there's no, like, they just one out, one in. They just, every time, Time Lord tonight. There's no continuity here. And I was looking at the top five teams in defensive rating, the Lakers, because Vogel, like, Vogel instilled that defensive. Like, the Lakers, one thing, doesn't matter their personnel, they're going to be on the same page on D. Like, they're going to talk. They're going to make life tough for you. It's their offense right now that's struggling. But the Lakers will bring it on D, especially because Schroeder puts pressure on the ball. But Philly has great defensive personnel. And then the Suns and the Jazz are the other two teams in the top five. They've been extremely healthy this season. I, I saw a stat, and I hope I'm saying it right, as this was what it was. But this stat made so much sense to me. The... Uh, the Utah Jazz, right, who are probably the best regular season team in the NBA right now. I think we could all agree on that. Yeah, I mean, they, they, have the best the best. they have the best record. Yeah, so they're the best regular season team in the NBA right now. What yeah. have they had that nobody else has had? They have they have had three games without their full roster. Every other game, they've had a full slew of rotation players playing, is what I read tonight. I hope that's right. I think it is, from what I read, if I remember correctly. But yeah. they, they have had their dudes on the floor – at all times, they've had continuity every night. Donovan plays, and, Suns, and Rudy plays. And the Suns. Every Suns night, too. Donovan plays, Rudy plays. Every night, Paul plays, Book plays. Right, and that is yeah. so important. Paul plays, Book plays, and Da plays. After last year, with everything that he's yeah. been through, Mikhail plays. They all. Mike Conley's been healthy for the first time yeah. in a while. Yeah. It feels like he's missed some games here and there. Donovan, I think, missed tonight's. I mean, every single night there's somebody missing from somewhere. It's like insane. Like that's just I'm so like I can't even like. It's so annoying to me, man. I think the Jazz are, I see your chat saying 2015 Hawks. Like, I don't think, first of all, I think it's a bad comparison. I think so, too. I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to win the ship. I don't think they're going to get to the ship. But I'm just saying, it shows you what you need in the regular season to be great. Like, you need some continuity of health, unless you're just so supremely talented, like Brooklyn is, and, and you're playing at such a high level with the talent they have, and, and you're taking advantage of, you know, just lesser talented teams by far, right? 
Um, I, I don't, yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I just think that Brad Stevens is a guy that you know. Me is a college basketball nut. Like that, that is my life. Uh, up there with the NBA. College basketball is up there with the NBA for me. I will almost never, never criticize Brad Stevens. Like I watched him do miracle work at Butler. He was the savant. He was a basketball genius. I just think he needs a change of scenery. It's that simple. I think it's just it's just too long. I think he's lost some of his emotion. And and by that I mean this. He's not an emotional guy. I think he's just lost some of his like charisma. Yeah. He used to be so stoic. Tonight I watched him in the press conference. I don't know if you watched the press conference yet, but he was for Brad Stevens standards, he went off. He was really like angry for Brad Stevens standards. So he didn't yell like and scream, but he was talking about how terrible they were. How terrible they were. And he doesn't always do that. A lot oftentimes he'll go into the presser and be like, you know, just didn't work out tonight, it wasn't our night. Uh got some things to work on. Like, always says it wasn't it wasn't our night is a classic. Yeah, classic, right? He didn't do that tonight at all. He was like, we were awful. And so I hope that's a good thing, but I also feel like it's a sign of like he's just he's just fed up. I think he needs a change. I think the Celtics need a change. And Unless it turns around fast, I think he's an amazing coach, and I think he'll do amazing things wherever he goes next. I just maybe it's a change of scenery thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to end it off uh, before we go to the live chat. We can, um, yeah, go to the live chat in a second. I was gonna say, what do you think of the uh, final four? So obviously, you know, UCLA is in it. We have uh, Gonzaga, who've been really high on all year. Do you think this is? Just completely the Zags tournament to lose at this point. And who do you think could give them the best, uh, most trouble from the other side, Baylor or Houston? And do you think there's any chance that UCLA can upset? I would. It's the smallest chance of anything in the world that UCLA wins that game. But I would love it. But I would love it. There's yeah. almost no chance at all that UCLA wins that basketball game. This Gonzaga team, D. I've told you this since November. And you were like calling me crazy in the chat in November, which is fair because they hadn't played games crazy. yet. I just said, really? They, they hadn't played games yet, right? This yeah. is, so you were like, all right. But before the, before this Gonzaga team played games, I told you what? I told you that they're the best college basketball team I've seen in my lifetime of watching college basketball. Oh, okay. I thought you said ever. I was like, I don't know. No, no, no. Uh, ever, I can't say. You know why I can't say that? Because like, yeah, like we talk about watch. NBA teams. We can't I – I don't know what Ralph Sampson did at Virginia in the same way. Like, yeah. I don't have that yeah. kind of knowledge. I don't know about UNLV in the 90s the same way yeah. I know about Gonzaga in 2021. Like, I know who their players were. I know the yeah. history. I know Tarkanian. But I didn't watch them in that same way, so it's hard to do, right? But Facts. this Gonzaga team is the most complete college team I've ever seen in, in my lifetime of watching this sport. They are the best passing team I've ever seen. And it's not even close. Like, their, their passing is ridiculous. Mark Few, Gonzaga's head coach, is the best coach in college basketball. They have two lottery picks. Jalen Suggs is the obvious one. Corey Kispert is the other one. A guy who has grown leaps and bounds in four years. And I think is going to be a very good NBA player that nobody's talking about. And he's one of those guys, D, that could help a team win a championship next year. Like, he is ready to come in and ball in a rotation on a great team next year because of the program he comes from and how much better he's gotten. I see the Nick Wright quote. Nick yeah, I, wanna, I was going to ask you about that from G Gabe's, Gabe's. 
Let's go for it. Get you want me to rant? You really want me to rant? Go, yeah, let's go. I want, I want, I want to see myself watching uh, someone else get passionate about something for once. So, Nick Wright should be canceled. Wrong. Nick wrong. Nick wrong should be canceled. That that is worse than most things I've seen people get canceled for. In terms of like one line or like one word they say. So let that's me just bullshit, clarify, man. That's bullshit. Subscribers. So Nick Wrong, one of our least favorite people here at Dime Dropper, uh, said today something about he was reading talking about one of his own ex experiences about in Kansas City. Most people that say they love college basketball and hate the NBA are almost always racist. That's what he said, right? Did I miss anything about it? That's something about what he said. So first of so all, I was just confused reading it. Uh, I have absolutely no idea what he what he was trying to say beyond being extremely offensive to like 90% of the country. To like anybody that doesn't, anybody that lives like not in LA or New York, I guess. Is that what he's trying to say? Like these markets, the markets that don't have ba NBA basketball are the markets that are usually the people that like college basketball more. You're Wichita, Kansas, right? Mm -hmm. The state of Kansas in general, right? These small markets. I think he's just being offensive to, I think he's being like West Coast elite guy, which we're from the we're from LA, like you and I both. Doesn't mean we're better than ninety nine percent of the country because we're from Los Angeles. That's kind of the vibe I got. Is that he is being West Coast elite guy going off? But to get me really mad, he's he's calling us for liking a product where people try every night, where people actually play defense every night. Where people play for not the name on the back, but the name on the front every night. Where people coach their ass off every night. Where players dive on the floor, go nuts, get bloody every night for the name on the front for their university. And he's calling us racist for thinking that's better than James Harden sweeping through, grabbing your arm, and getting 15 foul calls a game because he grabs your off arm and chucks up a three. And gets three free throws. Or Trey Young waiting for you to bump him from behind so he can act like he's been hit by a Mack truck and fling his <laughs> arms up in the air and get 15 free throws a game. So I'm sorry, Nick. I'm not a racist for thinking that that basketball is more enjoyable for me. They're not better players. They're not more skilled. No. But that is more enjoyable for me than the 2020 to 2021 NBA product that I'm watching. It has nothing to do with race. It's cancelable. It's... It's offensive to what I think he's targeting is, is like these, these smaller, small town communities that, that live off college basketball, the states of Kentucky, state of Kansas, right? These places where, yeah, there's, there's a lot of race problems, but it has nothing to do with liking college basketball. Like, I, those aren't related at all. And it's the same media BS that gets us to talk about it, right? Like that's the problem. It's like, I want to talk about it now. And that's like part of the problem. It's so hard to get out of because the BS I see is the stuff we have to respond to, right? But that gets them the clicks and that gets them – it's so hard. I mean this dude is making yeah. in the millions, bro. He's making in the millions. And this is an industry that you and I are both just starting in and both want to be successful in, right? And that kind of stuff – doesn't make me want to be successful in this industry because that's what I see as the biggest example of success on my television right now. And it is a, it is a not just Nick Wright problem at all.
And it doesn't even start with him. It's just these, the Foxes, the ESPNs that need clicks so bad and make money off the clicks for the craziest things they say, as we all know, where they'll go to a point to call people racist for not wanting to watch foul-baiting superstars cry about calls. Yeah, and you know, somebody was arguing about it with me today, uh, one of my friends saying that, and you know me, I don't watch nearly as much college basketball as you, talk, trying to tell me that um, that the the heart, diff, like I was saying that the players in the college basketball have heart and play hard every night, and they were saying that that's not true. I was like, bro, it is true. I mean, we can't, there's no defense. When I watch college basketball, and certain, and obviously we talk about with older basketball, you get reminded of what it looks like to fight through a screen again. And I think it's like, with the NBA and defense, and it, we, we saw it in Is the NBA Getting Better Part 3, where the players spoke out on it. Kyrie, Derrick Rose, Draymond Green, and uh, I forget the other one, Kobe. Kobe was one, but it wasn't about defense. It was something else. But talking about how it's not the emphasis and how players don't play defense and all that stuff. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. But, there's, no, I'm saying it's, it's also just, uh, if you can't, notice that the players in the NBA don't try very hard on defense. We know it's harder to guard. We know the rules are tough. But a lot of it's just effort. I mean, Kyrie said it himself. He said it best. But saying, um, you know, one thing with the NBA defense, it's like when you see, when you just are watching shit all the time, then shit just becomes normal. You forget it's shit until you go back and watch before it was shit. So <laughs> that's how I feel about the defense in the league. But I I agree with you, man. I think obviously we know Nick wrong what he's about, what all these people are about. I mean, I guess it's a bad word to use. It's a uh, it's just a a major problem right now in America that we have in media in general, but obviously our focus is sports media and in sports media where you just have to run off clicks. And I've seen it in my own career starting out where I have to do things for clicks. I don't fake takes for clicks. I would never do that. Right. But I have to put out certain amounts of articles for clicks or this type of article for click, not lie or, or, or BS, but just this news article that I know is going to get a bunch of clicks. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just a tough world when we're only interested in clicks and not facts and truth when it comes to sports and it goes far beyond sports like i said yeah so we're gonna go to the live chat now thanks for joining us for the spotify and apple podcast version we went a little um a little longer just because we have a guest tonight 35 minutes let me know what you think let me know if the audio comes out great peace